Welcome back to Restless. My name is Father Joseph Gill, priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and you've joined myself, Paul, Matt, and a very special guest. We have Liv Harrison. Hello. Liv has another show on Veritas Catholic Network called... It's not that late. It is not late. Liv Harrison. 8 p.m., right? Yeah, exactly. I can handle that. That's when it actually broadcasts. But then, you know, because we are living in 2021, you can actually listen when you want because that's how it works. And you can watch it. It's also visual. That is awesome. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. And with such a great guest, uh, we have a lot to talk about, lots to laugh about, because Liv loves to laugh. I do. I do. Liv my mom love laugh. <laughs> it's in my theme song. <laughs> Did you listen to it? You can't see it, but I put my hands up. <laughs> oh, I should have like brought my I have a camera. I should have been there. filming this. I brought it with me. I'm from Houston, so I had to bring all, just for this. This is how important Restless is. So wow. I flew in just for the, that's lying. Look at Father Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I can't give a confession there. on the air, <laughs> but I am judging you, and I have a penance in mind. <laughs> it's that you have to come back and do another episode. Okay, that is fine. your penance. That is your penance. With us, that's y'all's penance. They were going, "What did we do?" I don't know. I don't, we weren't lying. We had a good dinner earlier. I was happy with that. We went we to this did. barbecue place. Well, we heard about the itinerary for the rest of the week. <laughs> she's here, so we know that. Particularly just for this. Yeah, it's true. Stanford's <laughs> ready for me to go back. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, anyway, now that we got that out of our system, <laughs> no more laughing. Yeah, I'm sure. No, we'll we come can back laugh around. So <laughs> yeah, so our topic is uh, you know something that was on my mind this week uh, in a big way is uh, you guys ever listen to Audrey Assad? I had a sister-in-law who was obsessed. Like every time she was in town in Houston, I mean, she would like, we'd watch her kids. Like She was like, take these people so I can go see Audrey Assad. So that's about- I thought you said you watched Audrey Assad's kids. Yeah. I did. I was about to get excited. I, I was her nanny. I was her au pair. No. I don't think that's true. I don't <laughs> think that's true. That's not that- true. Audrey always asking me to babysit. <laughs> no, my sister-in-law, Nicole. So I actually don't know her music, but my sister-in-law is a huge singer, like incredible voice and just loved her music. So that's, that's it. That's all I have to say on Audrey. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know her before you know the question. Yeah, I actually didn't either. Okay. Well, I know, I know that that's probably not the round out. That's we're looking good. For. No, but that's no, good. You can educate sorry. us. Well, well that's good because that's kind of the point, right? It makes less of a shockwaves. When it when we found out that she left the Catholic Church, hmm. so she was she was like basically the yeah. female Matt Maher, right? Well, they I mean, toured together, is what I read. They did a lot. Yeah. No, yeah, she's I a mean, big deal. What's a big deal? I don't know. Is yeah. she still doing music? She is. Okay, yeah, her she Spotify is. story, uh, or not story bio, is something along the lines of the old stories don't fit anymore. Something, some sentence like that. Ouch. So cryptic. Yeah. Well, what do you mean, Audrey? Oh, I left the church. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's something that I don't know. When I read it, I was like, man, man. you know, that's hard. Yeah. When you're that's a high harsh. profile Catholic, it's you, yeah. you almost have, I don't know if the pressure's more, I don't know if it's like spiritual warfare because I'm sure the evil mm-hmm. one hates, oh, especially yeah. artists that are doing good jobs, you know, for leading soul, leading souls to Christ. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't shake my faith, but it is kind of discouraging for me. It's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's it's like a it's a complicated situation because on the one hand you know this is like a real person that like we don't want to talk about her as if she's just like some distant right. thing which of course to us she actually sort of is but uh, it's it's tough uh, for for me it wasn't as tough because I don't listen to her music but I like what it brought me to was like okay I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan right and one of the biggest things for C.S. Lewis that really uh, makes his claim to Christianity so strong is that he was an atheist. And he became a Christian. Mm. 
And so I, I said to myself, this is the reverse of that. Mm. This mm. is, she was a Catholic. And I, I don't know if she became an atheist or if she became a Protestant or, you know, I don't know the story. But I said to myself, that must be powerful to someone. Sure. You know? That's mm. interesting. Yeah. Almost, well, almost was, empowering. Yeah. Well, I had a roommate in college. My roommate in college, we were put together by, you know, for whatever reason, it was, wasn't, I didn't select my roommate. We just were randomly part, so to speak yeah but he was a he was a uh, evangelical christian and so i was really involved with the evangelical group on campus by means of my roommate and everyone looked up to him because he was the guy who was like a lot of fun to be with he he was very faithful very knowledgeable and then like a couple years after college ended he kind of told the world like i'm no longer a christian Mm-hmm. And he then he proceeded to excommunicate, so to speak, everyone in his life that was Christian, including me. I haven't talked to him in seven years almost. Oh, wow. Um, and we were like, I was in his wedding and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so that, that was like, that was a, that was a similar story for me because it's like, wait a second, this is a Christian. He basically told me, he's like, yeah, it's just, it's so much work. And like, I can't reconcile why people believe in Buddhism and Hinduism and all these other denominations and Judaism and Islam. He says, I just can't reconcile it. So I just give up. Wow. Mm. I'm sure it's deeper like, than that, but Did y'all ever hear the book uh I Kissed Dating Goodbye? Do you remember when that book hit? I do. It like overtook the country. Yes. And he's not Catholic, but not only did he actually pull that book from you can't buy it. Like you can't he will not let it be distributed anymore. But he was this huge chastity speaker mm. waiting till marriage and all this like the purity culture, mm. you know, that um I don't know if y'all grew up with it, but like true love waits and all this kind of stuff. There's mm. a lot of flack about it now, that whole program, because it's kinda like what Nancy Reagan did in the eighties with um Say No to Drugs. Yeah, that drugs, program yeah. did not go well. <laughs> like it seems <laughs> like on it's like communism. On paper it sounds like, well, that's a good idea. We should right. share land. But then when you get into <laughs> it, it's like, I want my loaf of bread. But anyway, um, so he not only pulled this whole thing and like apologized, he divorced his wife Oof. and he left Christianity. Mm. And that like that ripped through the nation because he he kind of like he was the guy. You right. know he what I mean? He was I remember growing he up was, with that book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like the book. That was like Kirk Cameron. If he comes out and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to make those awesome movies anymore, guys. They're not awesome. What, what but awesome, anyway, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but that I, was the joke. Yeah, <laughs> we don't be like, thanks, any. Kirk. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> he was kidding. good in the Wonder Years. I I liked <laughs> no, him. not the Wonder Years. Uh, oh, no. Um, um, growing Pains. Thank you. Growing Pains. Not the Wonder Years. Yeah. Anyway, so. It happens. And I think you have a good point about what are they facing or what is what I don't know, like what kind of turmoil are they in? It's not just happening to Catholics and really big, but it happens all the time with really big Catholics. It happens a lot with really big Christians. Yeah. And you can't just be like, I don't know. It seems just like a coincidence. (laughs) It's like, no, no. there's something going on. Yeah. I definitely think it's spiritual warfare. Yeah. You know, you become a you become a Christian and. Like you get a big target paint not painted on your back, mm-hmm. you know, it's just how it goes. Yeah. I remember when oh. I had, when I like kind of made a reversion back to Catholicism, uh, from just being dumb and not thinking about anything. Uh, <laughs> the I had like a, <laughs> I had like a, a huge spike in my anxiety mm. and, and I, you know, discussed it with, uh, my confirmation sponsor and he was like, yeah, man, Absolutely. Like this is, this is what drove you away in the first place was that you, you were dealing with this stuff and you, you know, you, you ended up falling to it and couldn't deal with it anymore. So you walked away from the church. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up because one of the things in the article I was reading about Audrey Assad was that she said that for about two years before she kind of gave up the faith, she would be having anxiety and panic attacks when she would receive the Eucharist. Mm. I thought that part was really interesting to read. Yeah. Like, you know, what, what could cause that? I mean, so 
human beings are made of a body, mind, and soul. So you look at all three options. Okay, is there something physically going wrong with her? Well, not if it's only this one area of your life that you're feeling this in. Is there something psychological? Have you associated the Eucharist with bad memories or something like that? Or is it spiritual? Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who really suffered from spiritual warfare and a really crazy intense story and he would always say i actually get attacked more when i'm in a good space with the church when i'm fresh out of confession of course when i've had the eucharist oh, when all sure. these things and so it was so hard for him to to not be like so i should miss mass you know like i right. i don't want to go there anymore like i don't and he didn't do that you know he really fought but you could understand like yeah if you're getting like if all of a sudden you're legit i mean we believe in this we believe in you know we have exorcism in the church and things happen mm-hmm. and um yeah that would be hard you're a human being you know um that would be difficult to be like yeah i want to keep going to that that's a, that seems fun <laughs> but especially if she was having such an intense reaction to the Eucharist, which everyone in this room, right. I'm going to guess, believes. Source um, summit. Yeah, kind of a big deal. So that must have been really intense for her. And she, we really need to be her community and pray for her as much as we can, because whatever she's battling is major. Sure, sure. I think it's also an important teaching to not, as Catholics, is not put Catholics on pedestals. Always. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're people. You know, and that's, that can be hard because we do want f- heroes in our faith. But they're not saints yet, right? <laughs> if they're still alive, you know. That's a good point. Yeah, but it's hard. Like I'm, I don't have a, I'm not a big name or whatever. But just the little bit of of my public platform, the people that I've encountered, uh, there's a lot. Not there's a lot of people that aren't good, but they follow me and they. Um, I've been. Um, emotionally and spiritually attacked by there was a group of people that wanted to take me down and you know and all this kind of stuff and and that's scary like i'm not j-lo not that she's a catholic um that was a bad, <laughs> bad example. i could pack some oh, obviously kardashian no i'm just kidding right, right, um, right. yeah but it's interesting spiritual narcissism like i was kind of talking about it tonight people who are like they use the church they use like your faith to connect with you right. or if you're even anything in the church and you know, people they're like, they, they use you. I've never been so used in my life until I became a public figure by quote unquote, the good Catholics. We're talking right. to people in the front row who veil, you know what I mean? And right. they've been the hardest for me since I went public mm. with really bad intentions. Sure. And it's fascinating. So I'm sure if you're like Audrey Assad, yeah, you probably have come across some really not okay people. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you know, one thing about her story that I thought was also interesting was that it started with a book. You know, she was reading a book by Father Richard Rohr, who, if you ever listened to, have you ever? No, I've never heard of him. I, I hope you never do hear of him. Okay, um, fair enough. He's, yeah. a, he's a Jesuit priest who has led many, many astray. Right. Okay. You know, I would much. say thou- tens of thousands. Tens of thousands of people astray. astray. Yeah. And his his main his famous book is the Universal Christ, which is kind of all about how like. Uh, you know, Jesus was not a unique figure in history. Everyone can find the divine within. All you need to do is right. look within yourself and just, you know, right. awaken to your own divinity. And, it's know. a it's like a liberal uh, form criticism, kind of, in the sense that, like, you take you, you rem- the, hist- the the Jesus of history and the Jesus of theology are two separate things. Right. Which right. is that's that's what they believe, and it's wrong. obviously not true because <laughs> Jesus is a real person yeah, and a real yeah. historical figure and yeah. real deity <laughs> and a real god yeah. <laughs> god's <laughs> not us 100 <laughs> yeah. like historically reliable documents exactly 100 yeah. right. exactly so is it is it dangerous for you to read books that are not solidly orthodox catholic 
And and should yeah. we be warning people against them? Because here's what I always feel like it's kind of funny. Like I posted something on Facebook right after Audrey Saad had this, um, mm. you know, this revelation. And uh, the very next day, I went to go bless a house of a parishioner who's probably like 85 years old. And she's at the end, she's like, well, I just have a special gift for you. And she handed me something. She said, you know, open it when you get back to the rectory. I opened it. It was Father Richard Rohr's book, The mm. Universal Christ. I was like, I'm going to pass that along to the trash can. Right. You know, yeah. but, but, and here I'm, I'm kind of debating as the pastor of this parish, like, should I speak up and say, right. Hey, this is really, I don't know if you read this, but this has got some wax stuff in it. Right. I don't know if she'll understand whack is because she's 85. <laughs> Crack is whack. That Crack came is... from Whitney Houston in the nineties. Oh, okay. The microphone just <laughs> fell over. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. I'm getting attacked. She didn't, <laughs> they did not like that joke. They throwing mics at me. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, should, should we, first, first of all, can we read books that are, Heterodox. I think uh, I think the the answer is a bit uh, like multi-layered here in the sense that if you are a theologian, like I think you can read those books because you can point it out and then to, you know to, to your parishioners and say, hey, don't read these books, you know, whereas like or if you're a student, you know, learning to like make the differentiations between the between the two like kinds of books. You know what I mean? So it's a, uh, I, I think in a sense, it's a little bit of a complicated answer. It depends on who you are. Mm. And I think the intention, like we have people in the church, right, that uh, watch movies for us and let us know if they're okay or not. Yeah. And that's like a cost that they've taken on and it has to be with, done with a lot of discernment and a lot of like what you're saying, like you have to be very grounded and not just like, well, I'm a really good Catholic. I go every Sunday. <laughs> okay, right. Nope, yeah. that's not going to cut it. I think also where Richard Ward got really um, like in the world, especially in the Catholic world, was his work with Enneagrams. Oh. And that is where you find a lot of Catholics get very involved. And that's where they're, that's kind of like their gateway into Richard Ward, if not that book. But they'll go into the whole, you know, Enneagram and they'll start really diving into it. And it's, it's all Richard Ward stuff. And so. so um, do you guys know what Enneagrams are? I do know what an enneagram is, yeah. and and well, there was like I didn't know this was like a a bad bad thing, thing right? I mean, into to an extent, I haven't like gone that far into it. It's basically like a nine sided star that's supposed to tell your personality type, and I, yeah, I just yes. thought it was like a personality test. Correct, and that's how it's that's how it's given. And actually, back in the day, back in the day, kids, when we used to take a wagon to school, um, <laughs> <laughs> we would both ways. we would teach the enneagram at the confirmation retreats that we had. Not only did we teach it. But we actually had um, materials that were printed about which, like how each number, because there's nine numbers, or and there's also like animals associated with each number, and we would hand out how Jesus was each one of these, like where he was in the Bible of like as a number one, or I'm a seven, as a seven, as a butterfly, like where, he, and they would have all these passages and how you connect to Jesus. Wow. And that at the end, That's we were whack. supposed to talk about how he is all nine because he's perfect and all this kind of stuff. When the diocese of, we weren't an archdiocese yet, um, Houston Galveston, but it was taught all over. It wasn't just our specific parish. Right. And they had to specifically, I think, you know what, it might've been when Cardinal DiNardo came in, but he wasn't a cardinal, right? Was he a cardinal, right, when Probably he came not, in? No, I don't think so. Think so. No. Um, that was one of the first things he got rid of. That, and there was another program that all the priests were involved in called Warrior. And that was a really big underground thing that all the priests in Houston Diocese did. And the f first day he came on the scene, he got rid of um, any type of abortion or uh, birth control, anything happening in any of the hospitals that were under his 
quote unquote watch. Right. Um, the Enneagram's being taught on at a parish level, you know, like, you know, in um, confirmation and uh, the priest going to warrior. Great. Wow. That sounds like an awesome <laughs> it was mission. A, it was a yeah, full yeah. 24 hours. Yeah, on the, right, yeah. He made a lot of people angry. It was awesome. He was like, <laughs> yeah. he, he did not. I mean, he came to like yeah, play. playing around. Yeah. Uh, he's not playing around. So anyway, that's a little history. I mean, so it is confusing for people who literally I taught it. You know what I mean? Right. At a con- at confirmation trees. And we had 99 kids on those 95 kids. And I taught it for years because w- that's what right. we were and taught in, to in, do. And in goodwill. Too. At 100%. Yeah, all yeah. how you're connected to Jesus and all this stuff. So right, then yeah. we would teach it at a parish level. My husband and I would teach it like to young adult groups and to married couples. Wow. And we had a couple walk out in the middle of our talk. And we were like, why? Why, hmm. why are hmm. you? What do you mean? No clue that it wasn't okay. Because we were taught as teens. Right. Yeah. That was our confirmation treat we went through because <laughs> we met in the youth group. So see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you have to you have to know where people get this information. But if the church has taught it or had it available yeah. as a program, well, that's that's, that's danger, pretty crazy. Right? I mean, it's Father Richard Moore is a priest, and so exactly he's giving Catholic. Is he talks. still a priest? Is he? Is this like? Yeah. Is he really? He's a Jesuit. Yeah. Mm. He's a Jesuit. Enough <laughs> <laughs> said. What does that mean? <laughs> I, think, I think it's important that because, like, you know, the devil can work in some really fascinating ways, exactly. right? And so even for, I think, Matt, you had said that, you know, if you're a theologian or you're looking at it as a student or you're looking at it in a skeptical mindset, it's, but at the end of the day, it still can be worked. Like the devil can still work that in you. So I think we always have to be careful and I liked what you had said about there's the groups that that watch movies and report and say, like, you know, see or no. But um, and so I think that 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 but even that, like, who knows what's happening to those people? You know, so I think you have to you have to we do have to protect ourselves to to a large extent against content and help others. Um, so you're, you'll never go wrong reading something that's, you know, determined to be orthodox teaching. You'll never go wrong, but you could go wrong with something that's not, that's, yeah. that's yeah. on the fringe. Well, you know, the church until the 1960s had an index of banned books. I know, yeah. Which, oh gosh, if you tried that nowadays, people love that reactionary church, but actually it's, it's a desire to save souls. Mm. Recognizing that that the harm that can be done through bad media mm. is a lot. And unfortunately, Powerful. like the list of banned books that are coming into our, that are inching into our society right now are actually... The opposite. They're going against church. They're, they're the ones that are supporting church teaching to some extent. Right. You can't read Huckleberry Finn anymore, right? Right. No, <laughs> that's there's, a books on, there's a lot of books on transgenderism and things that have been just, they just disappear from Amazon. Like even if you have- Oh, against, against transgenderism. Yeah, yeah. Or just skeptical. Not yeah. even not even saying it's bad or anything. Just skeptical. If it disagrees with Amazon's policy, they literally, there's these books that have just disappeared. But they can Amazon. though. I mean, Amazon can, they do, can that. do that. Yeah. yeah. But it's, they have, it's the same thing. But they it's, can. You know, when you have like a monarchical company like that, yeah. oligopolic com- company, like they can do that. And we've, we've ceased, you know, we've ceased, con- we've kind of given them control over that to some extent, but yeah. You have um, to go in a library, kids. Yeah, library. Or <laughs> I was like, what is that? What's a library? Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> what but, is this? Eighteen twelve. But you're gonna see. You're gonna see this. I mean, you're gonna end up with two. You're gonna end up with two of everything in society, right? You'll end up with. We'll use the word more conservative stuff. That could be could throw Catholic stuff under that, and you're gonna end up with the more liberal stuff. And you're end up with two of everything: two internet servers, two podcasting channels. You know, Social two media two, two, book, two completely different book publishers. Like Simon Schuster is not going to publish like a very orthodox Catholic book in five years, probably, right? Like these massive publishing publishing houses, and so people are going to get more and more isolated in what they're reading, and and 
Yeah. That's like that's that's like the real danger is that if you don't if people don't feel as though they have access to orthodox Catholic teaching in books, like man, where where are we going? This this I'm gonna get on a soapbox here and go off on a tangent, but I think it's I think it's connected to what you're saying is that you know, just recently, um, you know, both the Pope and, and our bishop um, kind of gave some really great talks about unity and the need for unity in the church, unity in the world. And, and I think but unity has to be based on truth, though, you know? And so, like, this idea that we can just have unity with people that believe so fundamentally different mm-hmm. about such fundamental issues as what it means to be a male and female, for example. Right. Or what it means to be human, that we're not divine, you know, and... Some fundamental issue, like how can we have unity in the church if we don't have unity on the, the very basic truths that we believe? And so I think the, right. this desire for unity, actually, really, is, we're saying we got to get back to truth. Even yeah, even the because uh, you know the 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 title right or the the topic for the the show is deconstructing Catholicism slash relativism. Really, the biggest thing that we are not united on is whether or not you can know anything at all. Right. Well, and, you know if I mean? and then of course, well, it's always there's it's a self-destructive. It's always self-destructive, right? Yeah. Because relativism is is natural cousin is nihilism. Right. Right. And hedonism. Well, yeah. <laughs> they all hang out. Yeah. 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 That's their trinity. Yeah. yeah. You, be- <laughs> yeah, really. Amen. yeah you become okay. you become a hedonist and a nihilist. Yeah. And somehow nihilism always wins, despite the fact that you're acting in a hedonistic way, and it's mm. it's an absurdity. Well, we came and agree when life starts. So if we can't come and unify, okay, as human yeah. beings, that this is a, a clump of cells or, oh, no, actually a um, a soul, <laughs> you know, how in the world did we not see this coming that we're not going to unify on anything else when we can't even unify on that, on the, uh, talk about the basics of humanity, of when a human being starts. And so I think you're seeing exactly what you're saying like the devil just goes into this place of great this is fantastic i'm going to divide it's like civil war it's brother against brother it's parent against parent my husband and i say all the time we're the most catholic people in the room or the least catholic people in the room depending on the room <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and and it's hard it's hard um because yeah some people you're just you're not catholic enough you know oh you don't veil 24/7 and kneel all day long and and go around and do the stations with the children with fire no i i know i haven't done that right but but you do that's great with but you know fire. or but you know the people <laughs> I, mean, and, I don't know it's like, and and a lot of people i know pope francis recently criticized people for you know he often criticizes the rigid catholics you know for sure. being what he calls you know too catholic or something like that but i think that's a response that's a response and a reaction to a world that's gone completely off the rails well, but also you're seeing these echo chambers happen. Well, that's true too. And that's yeah. also very scary when you are in these communities and they all think the same. And that is also really dangerous. If you saw Christ, he did not hang out with his people all the time. He hung out with the people that nobody else was hanging out with. And he did that not just to, to teach, but I think as a great example of guys, I put everyone on this planet. And if we like, as a, as a Catholic speaker and with what I do, um, I don't want to be seen as a Catholic speaker. That's easy. I already have those followers. The people who are showing up to my shows and listening to me and and already reading my stuff, they already know. They already believe. I don't want them. I mean, they're here. They're already here. I want the people that that nobody's reaching out. You know, that's why my my late night show is what it is, because I want it to be a gateway for people that that's where they're going to feel comfortable. And then we take them someplace else. And it's it's relational ministry. It's what you do in youth ministry. It's what you do as a teacher. But we've got to get back to that the whole meeting people where they're at, but you've got to watch that line, right? We can't become 
We can't go against what we believe either. Well, You've got to balance it. That is a great segue into Thank you. question See, number I five. You I didn't read them. <laughs> she did. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I mean, we talk a lot in, recently about in the church about accompaniment and, and the values of accompaniment, which is very good and valid. But it does seem that, that in the world and even in the church that doctrine seems to be kind of like a dirty word, like to actually take a stand and teach something as true. You know, yeah. are these are these mutually exclusive ideas of doctrine and accompaniment, or is it something that we can do together? What I mean, how is that supposed to be lived out, really? Well, I think there's, I actually, I actually, I think there is a doctrine. Um, there is a, no, there is a. I would say there is a doctrine now, right? I mean, it's it's, but it's a doctrine that's that's like neo paganism, and and it's being taught. It's being taught in our schools. It's being enforced in media and Hollywood and wherever, everywhere, basically. And and it is a doctrine. Yeah, they wouldn't um, call it that. <laughs> they wouldn't call it that, but, but it I, is. I agree, right? Yeah. And it's it's and that's what it. Is. I mean, you can look at anything. I mean, we did a web episode on wokeism, um, <laughs> but uh, but but I do think it is taught. It's just not the right doctrine. And so they wouldn't use the word, but it's it's being taught. Yeah, what is it? It's like everybody has faith in something, or everybody follows a certain religion. Everybody mm-hmm. worships some god. Sometimes it's themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting though. I mean, like. It, but when we're talking about us preaching our doctrines as, as a church, I, I noticed two things. One is that when Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he said, go mm-hmm. and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe and baptizing them. Accompaniment was not part of that. It wasn't go befriend people. It was, it was like, this is who we are, like it or not. Like this. And, and, and now, obviously, I'm not saying that you know, we shouldn't befriend people and reach right. out to the margins. Like That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. But um, you know, what point do we just say, look, I mean, this is, we're not going to, we're not going to shy away from who we are. Well, I think when you, if you're going to go down the accompaniment path, there is a point where you have to be, if you're truly caring and loving somebody, you have to have that point where it's like, okay, like you have to make, I've done, you see how I live, you see what I do and not to put yourself on a pedestal, but it's like, now you have to make a decision. You You, like, you actually think you should say that? At some point I do, because you can't, you can't like with, especially with Catholic faith, there's this, like, you have to you have to make a decision at some point. like. But is it your right to say that to someone? And wouldn't that be something that would then make them be like, <laughs> peace out? Like, Well, maybe. But, you know, but it, push them away? But at some point, it's like, because well, you can see people, like you can see people that are, that are like skirting around the edges of the church a lot. And that's good. I mean, it's better than nothing. But like, yeah, I mean, maybe because I don't know. That's what guys do, but like, <laughs> yeah. no, it's true. Like, yeah, yeah, we're out, like right? very direct. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know, it's there's fraternal correction and things like that, and we like I don't know. My Catholic friends are never uh, shy about doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe that's just that's just the way we are. But you know, that's it's. I mean, people have a people have said something that's me, and then something's not going right in my faith life, and they notice it and they point it out to me, and I'm very thankful for that. You know? Interesting. I mean, I can I can attest to, and I, I might have even said this on the show before, that my reversion began because I, one of my friends who I used to just drive back and forth to class with one day literally was like, hey, man, what do you think of Jesus? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, why not? And I was like, I don't want to. And he was like, that's all good and well, but you should have a better reason than that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that was why I started looking into it, you know? And he, And it was like, he wasn't like, you should, you know what I mean? But he, he, he very like, I don't want to say innocently, but kind of innocently just like tossed it out there, you know? I love the great story of St. Francis Xavier and uh, St. Ignatius Loyola. One of my favorite stories, how you know, Francis Xavier was this party, party crazy guy. And uh, 
And it, he was rooming with a much older guy, Ignatius Loyola, who had already gone through his own conversion. And, and every day, Ignatius would say to him, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And Francis was like, you're really obnoxious. You know, stop <laughs> that. And, and day after day, after three years of this friendship, you know, and he just kept you know, being blunt, being like, dude, what does it profit you to gain anything and, and lose your soul? And finally, Francis Xavier broke down and he's like, all right, I guess you're right. You know, tell, tell me what I got to do. He's like, okay, be a Jesuit and go be a missionary and you know, baptize tens of thousands of people in India. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, like I wasn't expecting that. But. <laughs> Especially if people are are like have one foot in like a Protestant church and one foot in a Catholic church, that's where I've seen it be like pretty effective. Like, okay, this this isn't working. You know, like you can't go to, you know, daily mass and, you know, accept the Eucharist, let's say, let's say you're baptized Catholic. And then on Sundays, you're going to a big non-denominational evangelical church. Our our friend and former uh, co-host, Javier, was in that boat. Yeah. For many years. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, like, it's like, we want you to be Catholic. So like, you got (laughs) to, but you got to invest in it. Now, when you do that, you don't, you're not cutting off the relationship. No, of course not. It's like... It's not like, no, it's not like you become Catholic now or I'm never going to speak to you again. No, you wouldn't do that. No, no but, that's, yeah. I mean, but, you, you had a good thing. Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a speech that you gave, Father Joe, that, about the, the steps of discipleship. Mm. And the, the seven, I, I don't remember what the seven are, but, but I think it was discipleship didn't even start till step four or five. You ever seen, I'm sure you've read Sherry Waddell's I don't, I don't read, actually. Oh, no. I'll get yeah. you the audio version of Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples. <laughs> yeah. No, I've heard it, um, but no, I'm not a reader. No? Mm-mm. I just talk like one. One of my gifts and talents <laughs> <laughs> is I can tell she people. On I do. I, on television. Uh, everyone's like, no. Uh, yeah, but I'm really good at telling people what books to read, and it's really kind of a weird gift and talent. I wanted to be a Broadway singer, but God thought, no, that's not the one I want to give her. I want to give her this obscure talent of telling people what books to read, even though she doesn't. And then people will come back to like, Liv, that was the greatest book I've ever read. Do you love it? I'm like, no, I've never read it. <laughs> like, How'd you know that was going to be the, I was like, I don't know. It's just, Holy Spirit. I'm just, it's a, listen, I will be a, the saint of random book picking. That will that, be what I get to be the patron of. <laughs> excellent. Patron of librarians. No. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm, I'm too loud for that. <laughs> they no, would be like, true. we vote a new saint. <laughs> we don't want that one. <laughs> also, I love that we're all assuming I'm going to make it. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to actually have to call it a day because it's been 30 minutes of mm, lots of frivolity and fun. <laughs> a very good topic, and we might pick this up again on a second episode. But uh, thank you, Liv, for joining us. Thanks. Thank you, for Matt and Paul. Uh, you guys are here every time. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Father Joe. Thanks for thank living you. here. Thank you for being in Stamford, Connecticut, <laughs> yes. where you're in coming from distance. out of. And <laughs> you can listen to this in Stamford, Connecticut, or anywhere in the tri-state area on Veritas Catholic Network 1350. And you can find Liv's show. What day, yeah. day and time? Oh, the new episode's um, released on Veritas at 8 p.m. on their radio or on what, their app. What day? Oh, Thursday. I didn't Thursdays. say that, did Thursdays I? Thursdays the day. Yeah, East Coast, sorry. And then you can you can listen to it on podcast or watch it on YouTube. Okay, and you can also listen to us on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you can't watch us. There's no cameras in this room. It's good. I didn't shave wow. today. <laughs> <laughs> Stay, t- <laughs> Stay tuned, and thanks for joining us. God bless. God bless.